Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Our church exists to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. For that reason, we want to take a moment and let you know about Growth Track. Growth Track is a three-week class designed to help you connect with us, discover who you are, and develop your leadership. Sign up for Growth Track and get more information at creekwoodchurch.com slash growthtrack or on our Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. Man, so since we are doing a family series, I thought I would go ahead and show you a little picture of my family. And so uh, we'll pull that up there. And so there's my wife right there, McCall. Yes, I know I fell forward. I outpunted my coverage. She's amazing. I'm not. I get it. Like she is all of those things. Really, honestly, blessed to call her my wife. Um, Thank you, honey, for putting up with me. Uh, Then there is Olivia. Uh, She is six, and so she's six going on 16, and I'm scared to death. Y'all pray for me. Um, And then we have Wren. She's three, and so uh, there's a a well-known author who actually wrote a book about her. His name is Dr. James Dobson, and the title of the book is The Strong-Willed Child. And so um, that was actually written by her, so we appreciate Dr. Dobson reaching out to us. And then there is Henry, uh, Henry Dale, and uh, uh, he's not going to be a NASCAR driver, but I will tell you, he is a wrecking ball. Everywhere he goes, he just, uh, he does it with joy and happiness. As I was getting ready this morning, uh, he was wanting some attention, so he was literally just going and knocking everything off all the dressers everywhere. And so um, that was fun. But... uh, (laughs) uh, Anyway, so we, uh, man, I tell you what, I'm blessed uh, to be able to have a wonderful family here and be a part of the Creekwood uh, Church, and uh, just so thankful for this time together. Um, You know, as we get into this word today, I want to say a quick word to our singles. So if you're single, if you're an empty nester, uh, maybe you don't have kids, let me tell you something, you're not off the hook, okay? You don't get to pull out your phones and uh, zone out, but I want, you to, I want you to zone in. I don't want you to lean out. I want you to lean in because let me tell you something. God has brought you to be part of the family of God. If you're single in this place, you play a role in this, in this house that we need you. Some of the most impactful people in my life were outside of my, of my biological family. I think of people uh, like Pastor Rusty that came along, me in my t- came along my side in my teen years. I think about uh, a guy by the name of Bob Hasbrook who, who spoke into my life, who was not part of my family, but he, but he reinforced the principles of the house of God. He came along and he spoke life into me. And let me tell you something, just because you're an empty nester, you don't have kids or, or, or you're single, that doesn't mean you're off the hook. We need you to press in because God has called you to be part of this body and he's called you to, to pour into other people's lives. Amen? Amen? Okay. And so let me also say a quick word to the parents. If you're a parent in here, I want you to raise your hand. Don't be shy. Okay, look around. Look at all these parents. All right. Okay. So if you are a parent in here and you're normally a sane person, like most days, uh, no one's watching you to see if you're going to go off uh, on somebody. Like you're really just kind of a normal person. But in that, but that somehow, some way, with your kids, you have lost your ever loving mind. Okay. If that's you and you say, man, I have lost my mind on my kids, I want you to raise your hand. No, don't be like, Pointing at yourself. No, raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right, look at, don't lie. Okay, the rest of you repent. Look around the room. I know y'all are scared. Look around the room, everybody. Look around the room. Hey, look, there's no perfect parents here. Okay? Let me tell you something. This isn't a drive by shaming of your parenting. In all seriousness, I wanna, I wanna speak to our hearts this morning. 
And I want you to say, I want you to know that God knows that we're not perfect and that we need him. And no matter what's happened up until this point, love covers a multitude of sin. You didn't screw it up. There's redemption, there's hope, and there's joy. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this time together. God, we thank you that you are for us and not against us. Lord, that you have plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. God, I pray this morning that our hearts would be receptive. Lord, that our minds would be alert. And that your word would speak life unto us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So um, just as we get into this message, I want to kind of lay the groundwork a little bit. And I just want to kind of acknowledge the fact that, that I truly believe and I believe the Bible teaches that whenever we follow God's blueprint, blueprint for our life, that it goes well for us. Like God's design for marriage and family and people is to lead, is to, lead to our flourishing, that it's for our good and his glory. That whenever God tells us to, that we should go a certain way, that it's gonna lead to life and it's gonna lead to goodness. But whenever we buck against his standards, whenever we go against the grain of his design, it's gonna lead to, it's gonna lead to pain and it's gonna lead to hurt and it's gonna lead to destruction, okay? So that's really what I believe. So from the beginning, I just wanna establish that God's design was always to use the family. God always had planned from the very beginning. We go back to Genesis 1. He says, in the beginning, he created man. Male and female, he created them in his image. And he told them to be fruitful and multiply and, and subdue the earth and to rule the earth and to bear his image throughout the earth. From the very beginning, God had planned to use families to fill the earth and to display his glory to all of creation that we were always supposed to bear his image. And as I was preparing this message and I was, I was praying and I was thinking, uh, something kind of leapt off the pages to me. See, Genesis 1 gives us a flyover view, but then Genesis 2 kind of zeroes in on the actual story of man. And I think it's fascinating that whenever we see the development of humankind, that we have Adam, so God made the animals, and then God made Adam, and Adam is walking with God, he's talking with God, they're naming the animals, remember that, and they're trying to find a, a, a helpmate suitable for Adam, and at this whole time, Satan is nowhere to be seen. Satan's not coming at Adam at this point. But then once Eve gets on the scene and God commissions them to go and be fruitful and multiply, all of a sudden Satan pops up and he comes at the family. And it's amazing that all these years later, Satan's still coming at the family. Can't you see it in our culture today? Doesn't it seem like everywhere we look that the that, that godly principles are being undermined by our world? That, that we see that Satan is attacking marriages, he's attacking parental relationships, that everywhere we turn from the TVs to the radios to the, to the culture at large, it seems like everything is against the family. 
But I think Satan's using the same schemes and the same tricks that he's always used. I want to show this to you in Genesis 3. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis 3. I want, to, I want to show you how Satan, from the beginning, has been trying to get us to question the goodness of God's word. From the beginning, he's been trying to get us to question God's faithfulness, the legitimacy of God's plan. Remember, I said from the beginning that I believe that God's way leads to life and flourishing. But when we go against that grain, it leads to pain and destruction. And I think from the beginning that Satan has been trying to get us to question the validity of the truthfulness of God's word. Genesis chapter 1, picking up in verse 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the trees which is not in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And at that moment, disobedience and sin entered our world and ravished everything up until this point, and we're still suffering the effects of the fall. Now, leave your finger there and turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Let's read that again. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now turn with me back to Genesis 3, picking up in verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eye, and a tree desirable to make one wise, the pride of life, she took its fruit and ate. Here's what I'm telling you. It's from the very beginning, Satan has been trying to tempt us away from the truthfulness of God's word. And he's been saying, what you think is right is better than what God says is right. And sometimes it feels like this way is better. Proverbs 14, 12 says that there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. That Satan has been setting before us the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And he's been calling us to go another way that's not God's way. Let me tell you, it's kind of like a Krispy Kreme donut. 
glistening, fresh out of the oven. Man, it seems right, doesn't it? But in the end, <laughs> look, that's just an analogy, but we could really put anything in there, right? There's these things in our world that seem better than God's way, and it seems like it's a right way that we should go. But what I'm telling you is that if the way is against the way of God, that in the end it leads to death because we don't need a way, we need the way. And in John chapter 14, Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? So Satan's been up to the same old tricks, and he's still doing it to us today. I remember uh, my wife and I, we took Olivia, our uh, oldest, to Disney World, and this was exciting. This was uh, before we had the other two, so it was a time when we could still afford Disney World, you know what I'm talking about? And so... um, and truth be told, she was only two, so she was free. And so that was really why we went. And so we really had a deep uh, de- desire to go ourselves. And, and so we, uh, we hopped on a plane and we flew out to Florida and we got to Disney World. And I'm just going to tell you, I am a huge Disney fan. Like, I love Disney and y'all just judge me, but I don't care, okay? Um, I'm, you know, you just need to let it go, all right? Because, man, I'm telling you, like, I'm a Disney fan. And, I, and, and so we get to Disney and we're, we walk up. Up and I mean, from the moment we get there, whenever they take our ticket into the gate and they say, have a magical day, I'm like, look at that branding. They just, from the beginning, they're just, man, they're so committed to the story. And man, I walk down Main Street and I don't know if you've ever been down Main Street, but man, you smell the popcorn and the cotton candy and the, and the fresh fudge. It's all just kind of wafting up in the air. Man, I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. This is, this is the most happy place in the world. This is incredible. And then, oh man, then there's the cow. You know the the one with the movie and the star goes over. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, babe, that's the castle. This is amazing. And we go walking up, and man, we decide we're gonna get something to eat. And then and then we see this little French chateau looking, a little little restaurant in the side, probably something out of out of Beauty and the Beast. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. And so anyways, we got, I told you, I know all the Disney stuff, all right? And so we go over there, and we get some quick service food, and, 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 and there's like, man, the hustle and bustle of all the people. And there's nowhere really to sit, but we kind of we spot off, a, we see a spot up on the second floor. We go up there, and there's this balcony, and we go, and we sit on this balcony, and I'm like, this is amazing. I mean, we got the castle in the backdrop of this, of our time, man. I mean, here we are. We're sitting on the balcony, and there's the, the castle, and then there's Main Street, and this is just so magical, man. I'm so excited, and, and there's this family that's sitting to the left of us, and I don't think this was their first day. Definitely wasn't their first hour, and uh, we're sitting there, and, and as we're sitting there, uh, the dad says, uh, let's get a picture. I mean, this is a beautiful backdrop, and he says, let's get a picture, and the two kids, a boy and a girl, probably like nine, ten, somewhere in there, well, they're not being compliant. Like, what else is new, right? Like, if you have kids, you understand. So dad's like, come on, get, y'all get together for a picture. And the kids are like, I don't want to. And the mom, now the mom jumps in. And I don't know what it is, but somehow when the mom jumps in, then the dad, like, really has got to get elevated. Like, you know, like, come on, I'm going to put my foot down. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and so he's like, get it, come on. And the mom's like, get, take the picture. And the dad's like, get kids, get together, take the picture. And then, like, it's getting escalated. And now we're just like, we're not eating our food anymore. We're just watching the show. You know what I'm talking about? So anyways, we're watching the show. 
and, and, the, and the dad is like, I said, come on, take the picture, and the kids don't want to, and he gets to this fever pitch moment, and the dad, I mean, I'm, if, I'm telling you, this is exactly what, the dad goes, all your mother wanted was a blank, blank picture. <laughs> I grab Olivia's ears, and I'm like, I don't know that this is the happiest place in the world. <laughs> like, this is not good. But here's what I think can happen. I think sometimes we can elevate the picture perfect moment in our head as the goal. Instead of the purposes revealed in his word. Here's what I mean by that. Like somehow they thought that the caption of the picture, the picture was what they were after. The purpose was the picture. But let me tell you, the purpose wasn't the picture. The purpose was the relationship. It was the memories being made. It was the time to cultivate a deeper relationship together. It wasn't to catch the, the lust of the eye to be able to display that I have the picture perfect family. And if we're going to have a godly family, and if we're going to build a foundation, we're going to have to count the cost. So the first step to building a godly family is counting the cost. Look with me at Luke chapter 14. Verse 26 <clears throat> says this. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 through 30. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, Yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, intending to build a family, intending to build a life on Christ, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Now I know what you're thinking. Wrong message, Desi. <laughs> Why would you pull up a scripture that says to hate our families? <laughs> this is the family series, Right? But here's where I want to help you understand. If you look at the Hebrew language, if we do a, a proper exegesis of the scripture, then we see that that word there in the Hebrew actually means to love less. Now, it's a very strong language. It's kind of like the language we use whenever we're getting married. When, I, uh, the, when we say the vows at a wedding ceremony, or we say forsaking all others. 
Like, we're not actually meaning forsake your kids and forsake your, your family, but it's, this, it's, it's to embody this impression that, that compared to my love for God, everything else pales in comparison. Jesus is coming to us and he's saying, look, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to lay a foundation, you have to count the cost because I'm telling you right now, there's no other way to do this. If you're not motivated by love, I'm telling you, white knuckling isn't going to be good enough. Let me break it down like this. The other night we had a, um, y'all don't judge me. I already know there's some judgment coming. But we had a Halloween party at my house. Okay. I know. It wasn't a hallelujah fest. <laughs> we weren't dressed up like Bible characters. <laughs> y'all pray for me. I'm in rebellion. My mama didn't let me go trick or treat, so I guess I'm acting out now. But anyways, <laughs> we, had a, we had a Halloween party at my house, and we had some some wonderful friends over and, and, and people that we love dearly. And as we were, as we were fellowshipping and uh, we were having a good time before we were going out to go trick-or-treating with our kids, and um, one, of, uh, one of my friends was there, and, and uh, her, her brother-in-law actually has cancer, and it's a pretty aggressive form of cancer. And, and so I, I was following up. I said, hey, how's your brother-in-law doing? And she said, man, the doctor just has them on a, this very restrictive, regimented diet. Like, I mean, I'm talking about just, like, he can't have any of, like, God's, like, favored food, like chicken fried steak, like mashed potatoes with gravy on top, green beans with the bacon in it, you know what I'm talking about? Like, he can't have any of these things, and, and uh, he's, it's, it's just a very, like, really restrictive diet, and he does not, he does not break the diet ever. Like, he is hardcore. She's like, he used to be like you, Desi. Like, he would just eat anything. I was like, what? Like, that's harsh, you know? Okay. And, and uh, she said, yeah, you know, he, but man, he has been just unrelenting. He never cheats. And I was like, I'd just die. You know? <laughs> like, I, I just don't think I could do it. Like, I, I mean, like, I was born in the South. I just don't think I could do it. And she said, you know, I asked him. She said, I asked him, I said, how do you do it? How do you never cheat on this diet? And he said, every day I wake up and I look at my kids. And because of the love I have for them, I know that it's worth it. Let me tell you something. Love is the greatest motivator we can ever have. And if we're gonna, if we're gonna follow Christ, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, if we're gonna lay a foundation. The only way we're gonna be able to do this is by love. And Christ knew that. And so when he's calling us to come and die to ourselves, it's for our good and his glory because he knows the only way you're gonna be able to lead your family well is by loving him most. Let me tell you something. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Look, whenever we didn't deserve it, he loved us. Our love is a response to his love because he made a way. He paid the path and he's telling you and me, he's saying, look, if you'll come this way, this way leads to life. Whenever you love Love me, it's going to lead to life. How many of you know that whenever you love God well, all of a sudden you start living out of an overflow that flows into your family? The best thing I can do for my wife is love Jesus well. The best thing I can do for my kids is love Jesus well. 
Because I began to live out of an overflow of his love for me. He's telling us to love him most if we're going to lay a foundation. See, when we love God most, we will love others best. When we love God most, we will love others best. So if we're going to lay a foundation, we have to count the cost. We got to be willing to say, God, everything else in this world pales in comparison to you. Lord, I, I, I put you first in my life, Lord. I'm, 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 I'm all in on this thing, God. I'm all in. Secondly, if we're going to lay a foundation, if we're going to build on a foundation, then we're going to have to make a decision. One of my favorite passages of Scripture in all of the Bible is found in the latter part of Joshua. And uh, if you are familiar with the story, uh, Joshua has seen the faithfulness in the life of, of, of the Israelites. He's seen where um, the Israelites have, have, have been in trouble. They've cried out to God. Then they, uh, then they, God redeems them, and then they kind of get lazy in their walk, and then they get into some trouble, and so they cry out to God, and then God helps them, and then, and then, then they get lazy, and then they get in trouble, and then they cry out to God, and he's seen this over and over, this pattern, and, and I think it kind of is like the pattern of me and you, like if we're not careful, like we get into this place where it's like, man, when we're having a really hard time, it's like, God, I love you, I need you, God, I, you can have all of me, Lord, if you just help me, and then God God comes through and then somehow we just kind of start doing it at our own strength again. We start, all right, God, I got it from here. Thank you. Thanks for cover, overcoming that for me. And, and Joshua has seen this pattern in their life and he sees them being wooed away back to the things of the world over and over, time after time. And, and he's coming to the close of, of the book here. And this is kind of like his, his, his last speech to the people. And, and this is what he says in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 through 15. He says this, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We have to get to a point in our life where we let go of the pain of our past, the uncertainty of our future, and the frustrations of our present. We don't wait for the perfect circumstance. 
We don't wait until we're willing to just to, to tell everything is just right. But we say as of today, as for me in my house, like I'm not going to turn to the things of the world. Like I'm not going to go after the things that I want. But as of, as of today, me in my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Despite the outcomes of whatever this world we're facing, God's way is better. And as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Look, the world's always going to come. It's always going to bring temptation. There's always going to be struggle. There's always going to be a strife. But you're going to have to make a decision. If you're going to build on a foundation, you got to make the decision. That is for me. Now, it doesn't matter what your neighbors are doing doesn't matter what the other kids are doing. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So not only must we count the cost, make the decision, but we have to walk it out. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27 says this, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So here's what I want to kind of draw to your attention here. We have these two people. Both of them heard the word. Both of them sat under the teaching. Both of them knew the principles that led to life. Both of them knew scripture. Both of them had been given the path that they were supposed to go on. Both of them had sat under the reading of the word. But only one put it into practice. And I think if we're not careful, too many of us can become like, armchair quarterbacks yelling at the screen but never getting in the game. Like, if we're not careful, too many of us can go through Dave Ramsey's financial peace seminar and at the end of the year never implement any practices and we wind up broke. Like, like we end up like the guy who's watching the, the health flicks, uh, 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 you know, uh, the Netflix health documentaries, but yet we change nothing in our diet and we end up the same a year later wondering why we're not any healthier. And the same is true for God's word. We can come here week after week or we can know the word, but if we're not willing to walk it out, it's going to be the same. See, here's what I think. I think for many in this room, 
you've been building your life on the picture perfect family, on the lust of the eye. If my family could just, if it could just look like this, like when everybody looked at my Instagram account and they saw that my family just was perfect and it looked so good and my kids just smiled in the pictures and we had all our life together, if everybody just thought that, then that's good enough for me. If I had a picture perfect family. And some of you have been building your family on the principles of this culture. Yeah, it does. I know the word. But I don't know if it's right. And you started to question the validity of God's word and you started following what culture says how the family should be. And I think for a lot of us, We've been doing it in our own strength. Like we think if we're just strong enough, like I can do this, like I, I, it's the pride of life. Like man, I, can, I don't need God, I can hold this thing together. I'm gonna, buy, I'm gonna keep my family together. I'm gonna do this in my own strength. But this is what I think God's calling us to today. He's saying look, count the cost. Love me. Love me. Count the cost. The cost is to love me more. And make the decision. Regardless of what culture says, regardless of what the world says, regardless of your friends, your family, your past, your present, your future. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then walk it out. Not in your own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, and right now, Lord, I just sense that there are people in this room that are far off from you. God, right now, there's people in this room and they said, I've been trying to go down a path that seemed right to me, but it's not, it's not going well. And I need Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. I need Jesus in my relationships. I need Jesus. And right now, if you're in this room and you know that you need Jesus in your relationships and you've been going your own way and it's not working well for you. 
and you say, man, I want, I want, I want to get Jesus in on this thing. I want to let Jesus in in my life because and, and, I'm tired of going my own way. And if that's you and you're in this room, and then I want to pray for you. And I want you, I want you just with every head bowed and every eye closed, it's just between you and Jesus and me. And I'm going to pray for you. And if that's you and you're in this room, you say, I need Jesus in my marriage. I need Jesus in my family. Then I just want you to raise your hand right now. Just raise it up right now. Say, I've been trying to see those hands all over this room. Hands are going up because we need Jesus and it's not working our way. I see those hands. I see those hands. Yes, yes, yes. Praise God. You can put your hands down. You can put your hands down. I believe that act of surrender, of raising that hand, was the first step on the journey. So I'm going to pray over you right now. And every believer in this house, I want you to stand with me in prayer. Everybody stand up. And I want you to come in agreement with me over these families. Because God's doing a new thing in this place. That God's making a fresh beginning for families in this place. That God is doing miracles in this place right now. That we serve a miracle working God. And so right now I'm going to pray and I just want you to be in agreement. Don't tune out but tune in. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, I lift up every one of those, those hands that were lifted up in this place that they said, I need Jesus in my marriage. I need Jesus in my family. It's not working for me. And Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would go forth and that you would minister to these families right now, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, that you would give them the strength that they, that they need, Father God, that only you can provide. God, that you would minister to them and through them, Father God. Lord, we invite you to have your way. And I pray special blessing over every one of these families here today. The singles, the empty nesters, those without children, the families, those with children. God, would you bless them? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you have been encouraged by the ministry of Creekwood Church and would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at creekwoodchurch.com or on our Creekwood Church app. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.